0: Hi, this is County Executive Barry Glassman, and you're listening to Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. Hello, and welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with my co-host, Michael Sanderson. And Michael, we are coming to our audience live from Mako Summer Conference here in Ocean City in front of a, a large crowd here at the conference. And uh, Wednesday's turned into a pretty big deal. A
1: big deal, and the conference is front and center for this association. It's great to have people
0: from every level of government all around the state and to have a great panel with us on the podcast. Absolutely. And today we are going to focus on the U.S. Census. This session is sponsored by the U.S. Census and the Maryland Department of Planning. Fittingly, from the U.S. Census, we have two representatives today, Ashley Roush, a partnership specialist with the U.S. Census Bureau, and Lee Osbury, partnership specialist with the U.S. Census Bureau. We also have Maryland Secretary of Planning, Robert McCord. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. So first of all, uh, we're here to talk about the census. I guess we need to get this out of the way. First,
2: what is the census, and how often does it occur? So, the census, uh, the purpose of the census is to count the population. It is about three uh, things. It is embedded in our constitution, so we're constitutionally mandated to count the population every ten years. Uh, it is about fair representation it 's about making sure um, we have the elected representatives that represent each county, each town in the state of maryland so six
3: hundred and seventy five billion dollars in federal right, funding right. is distributed based on population count right. so mm-hmm. it 's super important that we get everyone counted so that communities can get the money um, from the federal government that is distributed locally
0: and we also know that it 's used to calculate the number of seats that you know we 'll have in the in the, the House in Congress. Secretary McCord, I know you have a lot more to talk about in terms of why this is important, not just in terms of money or congressional counts.
4: That's correct. Kevin, um, the Department of Planning has within it the State Data Center. The State Data Center is the repository for lots of census data, and then we try to make the best use of it and make it available to local governments and anybody else who needs that data. So right. That data is critical.
1: And We use it for everything. I mean, I know, I know at, the, at the county level, right now we're going to have a session during this conference, talking about school funding and trying to make reasonable projections for what's going to happen with your school population, that's just demographics and understanding—you know—understanding you know, understanding where people live, what are their ages, and so forth. And everybody goes back to the decennial
4: census as I mean, that's that's ground ground zero, right? Correct. The school the school population projections are required um, output from the Department of Planning, mm-hmm. who does that mm-hmm. function, mm-hmm. and we also have the responsibility of making sure that those Those projections are done well because in regulation, the funding formulas are based on your projections at the county level being within 5% of the the projections that come from the the state. And so
0: we've talked about a lot of reasons why this is important. How about public health and emergency management? I I don't hear people talk about that much, but this data is critical there as well.
4: That's correct. Everything we know from each census tract, if we know that there's this many people over 65, this many people under 5 years old in the census tract and we know that's the strike zone for the hurricane mm-hmm. we'll know where to apply our resources before the storm hits we'll know who's more resilient who can bounce back and on the public health side of it if you have a the classic example if you have an area that has about 10,000 people in it and only 5,000 people have responded and and we have a situation where everybody lines up for vaccines, mm-hmm. the 5,000 in first mm-hmm. person, it doesn't matter their political party, doesn't matter their skin color, right. doesn't matter their immigration status. They will still get sick and potentially infect everyone. We have to understand that the public health aspect of what our communities look like is critical to make sure that the resources get allocated correctly.
1: I don't think we have a conference in, in, in modern government where we don't have at least one session talking about data driving policy decisions and driving public services, and I mean, there's probably no more fundamental bit of data than where are your citizens, who are they, where do they live, and what do they
0: need, right? I mean, so that's, that's correct. That's, that's correct, yes. And then in terms, of, so Governor Hogan, you know, he talks about Maryland is open for business, This data can also be used to attract business to the state, correct? I mean, I know we're competing with neighboring states and really states all over the country, but how is this data so important for driving business and attracting business into Maryland?
4: It's trying to put 21st century tools into people's hands. And a company is interested in locating a particular place in Maryland the state data center can create a labor shed profile mm-hmm. to show based mm-hmm. on census information within 10 miles how many people have PhDs how many people have master's yeah. degrees how many people have even graduated high school
1: and but if you and if you if we don't have an accurate set of information to say those things then our resume isn't as strong as that from Tennessee or from Arkansas or whoever
0: we're up against for site location decisions or other things like that. And so I want to shift a little bit. We've talked about why this is so important. And we know that really the census is about family, neighborhoods and communities. Right. But we do know that traditionally children under the age of five, those between 18 and 24, veterans, immigrants, non-English speakers and people with disabilities, those are historically undercounted groups in the census. So, what are we doing about that? How are we addressing that and truly making sure that we do get each and every Maryland resident counted in the 2020
2: census? So we're making sure that we're reaching out, especially through our complete count committees and working through those trusted voices in the community. Now, let me stop you right real quick. Explain what a a complete count committee is to folks who are listening who may not know what that term means. So a complete count committee is a task force. Uh, The best way to look at it is Mm -hmm. a task force in your community because each community differs. What is the challenges? What are the successes? What are your strengths? And it's kind of bringing that cross-reference of um, the the community together to tackle the issue. And in this case, the issue is, hey, let's make sure that we get that complete and accurate count for the 2020 census. And in
1: in Maryland, I think this is principally happening at the county level. I mean, when we we talk about a community, it's mostly the front line is the county government. So it's Kent County, Maryland, or it's Garrett County, Maryland, who's saying, okay, let's mobilize in our area. And, I mean, it's going to take a different shape in each community, but that effort is happening in Maryland. I mean, a lot of it is at the ground level.
3: A lot of it is spearheaded by county governments. However, we definitely don't want to deter anyone um, that's interested in starting their own complete count committee. Anyone can start a complete count committee in the community. I work with a lot of folks that um, are in public housing, that they're just the trusted voices within their community, so they want to start this in their own community. So we definitely um, want to reach everyone, not just at the government level.
1: Right. And you get a lot of buy-in from nonprofits. And, yep, I nonprofits.
3: Mean, I mean, and there's obvious groups.
0: stakeholders here, right. Right, right. right. And so I, I understand all 24 counties in Maryland have set up local complete count committees and that we are really a leader not only in the region but nationally. And I want to ask a little bit more about what the Maryland Department of Planning and the U.S. Census is doing to help uh, counties organize and emphasizing those partnerships. And I know, Secretary McCord, Maryland Department of Planning is really there to be a one-stop shop effort for counties, for anyone who wants to form these complete count committees. So what
4: are you all doing to sort of assist those efforts? Well, censusmaryland.gov. There you can go and find out every person's point of contact for census in every county. Right. And we do have complete count committees functioning in every jurisdiction. And we have complete count committees happening at the at the, at the municipal level also, there's some municipalities that have their own complete count committee. So that's important so that the people can hear from the people that they trust. Those partnerships are critical and the support that we give, for instance, on the Eastern Shore, the Department of Planning has an Eastern Shore coordinator that will help each of the smaller counties Figure out the best way to reach their populations. We look. We have a diverse population, and we have diverse challenges with rural populations, making sure they understand the need to respond, and with the urban population, make sure they have the need to respond. So we have we have people kind of everywhere, right?
1: And and that outreach is necessarily going to be different in a right. in
4: a very rural
1: area versus a very urban area the messaging has to be different and whether that's language or approach or, ex- or where do you put the leave-behinds i mean all of the above is going to be different community by community i'm sure
0: that's right. correct and i know you know we were pretty innovative in maryland there was a grant program really to kind of jumpstart the efforts here in maryland mega was very supportive of that bill it got through and really i think that jump-started our efforts But I know that that grant is not necessarily being uh, used by all the counties across the state, right? So I think you talked about making sure that you have resources, you know, in some places on the eastern shore and western Maryland maybe where that money is not flowing directly. It sounds like you're trying to make sure that in those areas where, you know, maybe the resources aren't, Uh, as vast, that you are making sure there are people on the ground assisting those efforts. And that's at the U.S. Census level and the
4: Maryland Department of Planning. We give tremendous credit to the United States Census for their partnership specialist efforts with us, but we have had people on the ground. We've had people in every jurisdiction trying to make sure that they understand the necessity to get their, their own committee set up, their own trusted voices identified, their own set of messaging, and we're trying to provide all the support we can. But you're correct. The the grants panel process resulted in a matching grants program. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if the awards were $4.1 million, that's $8.2 million worth of effort going on. And there are countywide, municipal, and some nonprofits that cover more than one county. So there's a relatively decent set of coverage with that, and we're going to try at the state level to make sure that we're supplementing Anybody else that needs our help.
0: And so, you know, we've talked about, you know, what you all are doing. I want to shift to the ways that the U.S. Census Bureau has really modernized its efforts. I think one of the first things people probably think about when they hear census is the classic big government, right? Someone banging on your door, asking you to fill out a form. The, the U.S. Census Bureau, and I was elated to learn all the modern efforts, all the technology that you're using to, again, make sure that everybody gets counted. So can you talk a little bit about some of those? data and the tools that you're using that really drive that information?
3: So, we actually have a lot of tools uh, available on our website, Mm census.gov. One of those is called the ROAM tool. It stands for Response Outreach Area Mapper. It's really handy for folks to look at targeting their outreach efforts um, because you can see the areas that are predicted low response score areas. Um, So, if you go to census.gov forward slash ROAM, you can input an address in your community and see where those low response score areas are, and that will help you target those outreach efforts. Um, In addition to that, we also have a couple other resources that folks might find mm-hmm. helpful. Um, I know that a lot of folks that we work with use grant applications. Uh, we have webinars under our Census Academy, which is also on our website that can help folks learn how to extract data to use for those grant applications. Yeah, and
0: I've watched some of those; they're great. Yeah, I mean, they so, really are. They're and that's great.
3: kind of brand spanking new. So definitely, I, I tell people that I work with. Um, we have really great webinars for extracting data to use in your grant applications and the things that you do on daily, daily, day to day basis. Mm-hmm.
1: So so can, I want to ask a probably a naive question, but uh, everybody's familiar with the old you get the form, you fill it out, you send it back, and so the census presumably understands you're getting good data because you you sent me the form for me to my address, and so forth so what what are the assurances that the people who are online or re- responding by telephone is there a code system or something like that to make sure that you know the person we're seeking
2: is the one who's responding? All the information that will be transmitted is encrypted. Mm-hmm. So when you receive the invitation in the mail that uh, you will have the code, and as soon as you log into that server, all the information that will be sent back will mm-hmm. be encrypted.
3: However, okay. if you maybe don't have access to a computer or you forget your code and you go take to take it at your local library, there will be a way for you to verify that you are who you say you are, mm-hmm. and we'll release that as we get closer to the 2020 census launch.
0: Okay. All right. So belt and suspenders. And so, really, I mean, this is all about the relationship between the U.S. Census, the state, counties, municipalities, people on the local level, and you know, having you know these these kind of specialists positioned across the state. I think is really driving this point home. Secretary McCord, you talked about trusted voices and making sure that people are hearing from people that they know that they respect people in their communities that they see each and every day, why is that so important? I mean, there's a lot of talk going on at the national level. We hear all that noise. But why is it so important that people see people that they they know and trust and they're telling them this is important?
4: From my standpoint, it's so much better if – they understand from the pastor, for instance, how this right. really impacts right. their community. If they understand from the person who they're used to interfacing with for services at county government can explain how these services are provided based on federal funding. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of the federal transit programs that are, uh, you know, census-based you know, division of money um, – the people that can make the message clear are not necessarily government people. They're people who are in the community who know that the census-based funding makes these programs happen. The, the, the biggest problem is we have people who, who are likely not to be counted who could benefit most from a, a complete count. So we're trying to reverse that to make sure that, that zero to five population and the 65 and older population who benefit greatly from some census programs make sure they respond.
0: And I've also seen, uh, you know, that the Census Bureau is using satellite images to to try and and look for folks that maybe, you know, if you live on a dirt road and maybe they're not traditionally found, so that kind of technology too, which I think is awesome. So really using all the technology, bringing it all together, again, to make sure that everybody gets counted, especially, like you said, those vulnerable populations that are traditionally undercounted. I was, I follow on
1: social media a state delegate from Baltimore City who I think must have been recently attending another event where their stakeholders are talking about the census. And she was responding and and posting some items saying, talking about the potential for an undercount of young kids in an urban environment like Baltimore where she represents. And she, she dropped numbers that I thought were staggering. Like it's, it's a bigger issue than seemed intuitive to me. Can, can you help us and our listeners sort of understand you know, why are young kids at, at such risk to be undercounted? Obviously, they can't fill out the form themselves.
2: I mean, it's got to be more to it than that, though. It's really making sure that the parents understand and getting that information out early that, hey, um, even if you're pregnant, if you have that child, the child is here on the first of April, (laughs) the child counts. Mm -hmm. And it's making sure they understand that. Um, There's several other, you know, different reasons why, but when it comes to understanding and making sure that people are accounted, it's always uh, connecting with with uh, the parents.
3: I think the important thing to remember about counting children is that, you know, it's, it's important not to forget them because that's 10 years of their life. <laughs> so if you have a brand new baby and you don't count that baby, that's services and resources that they're going to miss out on for the next 10 years. So you're talking, you know, up towards middle school resources that they won't have. So mm-hmm. it's super important to count even the youngest of children.
2: Yes. And like when we're talking about the schools and the infrastructure and stuff, it's like, hey, these federal dollars, they're going to support and build up these schools. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I guess what's what's challenging about this in the
1: background is this is sort of the tragedy of the commons on some level that if your family fails to respond, it's not your family who loses services. It's sort of your community by the collective undercount. And so you could have an under delivery of services in a place like Baltimore if there's an undercount of their kids or their hard to reach populations. And it won't necessarily be the people who didn't fill out the form or who, who didn't do the follow through. It's not like it's just your interest. You're doing this for the team. And that's a tougher message to convey. than you, you'll just lose something
4: yourself. I think there's some value in um, involving the children. We have made outreach. We have partnerships with the Maryland Library System <laughs> and with the, the State Board of Education, um, discussions about how we involve children in the process. This U.S. Census has a statistics and school module that they can use in the school system to understand what census is all about. If you come to think of the reason why we put certain cans in certain colored um, containers, it's probably because our kids told us, though no, that can goes over here, Dad, because the world's going to stop if it doesn't. So <laughs> if we can get the children to understand What the concept is, that'll help. Um, the libraries and the, um, and the school system are both partners with us.
0: I know that on the U.S. Census website, and uh, you can get it through Maryland's Census website as well, you also have a lot of uh, you know, flyers and uh, Census 101. I mean, I think that's really cool, too. I, I get all those updates into my email. So you can also sign up for all of that stuff to be sent directly to you, correct? So every day I get three or four messages, yeah, and, and I correct. love it. I love it.
3: Yep. You can sign up. You can use your email address, and you'll get um, updates from the Census Bureau. Like you said, everything's online. We talked about kind of how we're going digital this time around. Um, so all of our fact sheets and PDF forms are downloadable online. You can get everything there.
4: We're trying to remind our, our partners, um, including the nonprofits, that everything the census makes available, if if they have a hard time finding it, you can still find it at the Maryland site. We work well together that way. The Rome um, product that they have to let you look at things by census track. Maryland debuting here at the conference, a, a, a the Maryland version of that, mm-hmm. so that Of the 26 variables, the 12 that make a difference most predictive in Maryland, and then the six that are most important are highlighted in dashboard fashion for each census track. So you can see in Maryland what's happening and the possibility of having real-time results plugged into that as the census process moves on, you would be able to see that the north part of your county may be responding very well. You need to focus your efforts in the southern half of your county. That kind of information we've never had available before and hopefully putting 21st century tools in people's hands through the the offices of the Maryland Department of Planning and the Census Offices will help increase that um, response.
1: So so you arm the complete count committees and the other stakeholders who are trying to make this work as, as well as possible with better information so they can spend their time wisely. That makes sense. I mean, it does seem like in the background There's, there's maybe some discord between, all right, we're going to do all these high tech things and internet sites and PDFs and so forth. But we know lying in the background, some of our hardest to reach people are, and the ones who are most at jeopardy of not responding and, and have the distrust of government and issues like that, that, that leave us undercounted. They're the ones who they won't be on the website or they don't have that access or they don't get to the library and so forth. So that, I mean, we have to do, we have to do some like,
3: Right. And, it's our, on the ground, and don't right? underestimate our complete count committees. They right. are very, yeah. very innovative. Yeah. They know the communities better than we do. And so they come up with some really great ways to tackle those challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had everything from uh, using the local library's bookmobile as a census mobile and going to <laughs> rural populations uh, to reach folks that maybe can't get out of their homes or don't have access to the Internet. Right. Um, so we have really innovative folks on our complete count committees and within the communities that are working right. on those plans.
4: Yeah. We, we've heard proposals from people taking senior years on the bus trip to have the bus armed with tablets to sit there and have a, a specialist sit there and right. this is how you can do it That's by the great. time you get to your place you can have the census form right filled out. and you do a ride along with meals on wheels or
1: you know wherever you have a contact We also have
3: service-based enumeration, so we actually have census takers, and their job is to go to places where folks get services Mm -hmm. um, to try to catch them, especially our transient homeless populations, to catch them while they're at soup kitchens getting services and other things that they need.
0: Excellent. And so I want to get back a little bit to Maryland being a leader here. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the director of the U.S. Census came to Maryland met with our folks because the, the director wanted to learn and see what Maryland is doing because, you know, I, I don't want to brag, but I think we are, we are leading the way. And, you know, all of our counties have those complete count committees. As we said, we have all this innovation. We have these boots on the ground. It's, you know, I know it's, we don't want to talk about competition, but at some point we do, right? We want to win. We want to make sure that we're getting more <laughs> right. money than the states surrounding us, right? It is kind of about competition a little bit.
4: You're correct. And I'll speak in front of the federal people on this one. Yeah, we'll we, we'll we, will, we will, we will be in the top 10 responding states this time. The question just is, how far up are we going to be? Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for here. And it means getting to the people who have the right voice, that trusted voice on the ground. So that partnership process goes all the way down to that community, to that church, to that place where everybody goes to play baseball. That's what we're trying to get people on the ground to understand what's happening. And um, I think we're going to get there.
1: I, I suspect the like eighth grade civics understanding of the census is every ten years you take a snapshot, you count the heads, and you're done. But the census is an every year, all the time, iterative process of gathering more and more information. You know, some of it by survey. The the once every ten years is the count every head. But the census is active all the time. That is
4: correct. Right. That is correct.
3: And we release information every 72 years. So for those of you that are history buffs or really like genealogy, mm-hmm. the next uh, release of information is in 2022, and that's going to be the 1950 census. Uh, so those will be released shortly.
4: Stay tuned well, for an emergency
1: the right Conduit people. Street podcast <laughs> on the immediate on the release of the you're new data. To the
0: right people. Yes, exactly. But, but it,
4: that, that goes, that, goes to, that directly goes to the confidentiality requirement that every person, all of our federal counterparts, take an oath. To keep the information confidential. they cannot release personal information. The information cannot go between agencies of the federal government or any other government. And the information is not, the personal information is not released until 72 years. So that's part of it. It's really
0: important to,
1: to point out. And, and, and that's, I mean, it's kind of been in the subtext of this conversation. But when we talk about populations that are on the On the side of low response, we know that some of that is a distrust of government for whatever reason. So being clear, I mean, these are the rules and none of us can break them. And this is all all the personal stuff stays in a bag for 72 years Hopefully is reassuring to, to the folks who start out saying what's this about
3: and all census employees are sworn in we get sworn in and We take an oath, mm. um, and when we take that oath, it's for life We can't just maybe you know eight months from now if we're not working for the census anymore um, Go tell everyone all the personally identifiable information. Mm. We learn that's not how that works Even our enumerators, the folks that are census takers going door-to-door they get sworn in everyone gets sworn in and they're subject to penalties um, imprisonment five years up to five years and a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine so it's super important and important to us to keep that data secure
0: absolutely
2: and absolutely. especially when it comes to that information, the answers to the surveys and all the data that we receive, um, even since as employees, if we do not have a need to know, we cannot see that information, and so uh, yes we, we will not let that out
0: so that's something that obviously you take very seriously. It's very, super important extremely. absolutely
1: so Okay, so this is this this conference is we have thousands of people who are gonna be in and around the Mako conference. We have lots and lots of people who will listen to this podcast. But if there's if there's a center of our solar system, they would be the elected officials in Maryland counties. So you're a Charles County commissioner and you're trying to figure out, okay, are we doing the best we can in my county? And I've heard that we've got a complete count committee, and I know some of the people who are engaged, but I, I, now I've heard this, and I'm all fired up, I want to make sure we're going to crush it. Where does she go
2: next to make sure her county's getting a grade A? 2020census.gov, you find a lot of information when it comes to uh, contact information for complete count committees, uh, and also census at maryland.gov mm-hmm. That's the,
4: those are the two places
0: okay. and you mentioned earlier a lot of that information it's going to be housed on both of those sites right so okay. you have it you know the maryland census site has it and also you know the federal site has it as well so we're trying to make it available in as many places as possible
4: and it's not just it's not just the fact that we're cross-pollinating the sites mm-hmm. it's the concept that our partnership with the counties has been strong since we started it and since we developed it. So there's no reason why that you can't get a person on the phone to talk about best practices and what you've seen happening somewhere else in another county. We will be listing the kind of events that counties are sponsoring. And that newsletter will be coming out every week to find out what's going on in different areas. And somebody says, hey, that might work well in our area. Okay, and if you need to talk to somebody, you can get anybody on the census team. And literally, if you have a census issue, You can call the secretary. The secretary will put you in touch with somebody who can help you figure out what's the best way to reach your people. So if it's, if it's just, I need the flyer,
1: you've got that ready to go. If it's, I need to talk someone face-to-face and have them walk me through, how do we do that thing I heard that some other county was doing? The State Department can help. The Census can help. we got lots of resources at our, at our yeah, hands. Yeah, absolutely.
3: We definitely encourage everyone to reach out to their local partnership specialists. Every county in Maryland has a team of partnership specialists, so um, just let us know and we will get a partnership specialist to you and, and come to events and talk and, and whatever outreach efforts we can help you with.
0: Very good. Any closing thoughts from Secretary McCord or, you know, our U.S. Census representatives that are, you know, we're so grateful to have you again today. But any closing thoughts, anything that you really want to make sure people are left with after they listen
4: to this podcast? My image is always the same. We have every 10 years we take a family portrait and I need everybody in the picture Mm -hmm. because that picture (laughs) has got to last for 10 years. You think about it. We're doing this for kids that aren't even born yet because it's not gonna happen again until 2030 at this level. And so the eight-year-old today is gonna be able to vote people out of office in 2030. But the person that's not even born today is the reason we're doing this also. So it's really, people say lots of things are for the children. This truly is, in some ways, for the children. It's a family portrait. I need everybody in the picture.
2: And we're extremely proud just to be partnering with all the, uh, the leaders for Maryland. And um, the, if I can leave with anything, I will say this, it is important, it is easy, it is safe. And I really want to hit on the safe portion. Your information is protected. We understand that there may be some apprehension and maybe some concerns, but realize your information is safe. Yeah. Keep
0: it I'm not
3: following that up. They both did a very great <laughs> job <is>. of perfect. <laughs> <so>.
0: <laughs> like I said, 10 questions, easy. Like 10 it. questions. And secure, good. right? I think those are two really important points to make at the end. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, Again, thank you to the U.S. Census Bureau and the Maryland Department of Planning for sponsoring this session. I think it's been great. I think it's a lot of great information on here, and we're happy to push this out to as many people as we can. Michael, any closing thoughts from you before we wrap it up?
1: I I like it, and we know this effort is going to evolve. So MACO's got another event come December, and that may be the time to revisit this and be talking about active practices that we can share now across borders. So we look forward to that, too.
0: All right, so that'll do it for this episode of the Conduit Street Podcast. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a like, subscribe. That way you'll never miss a podcast. It'll be sent to you right away. But for Michael, Rob, Ashley, and Lee, this is Kevin Canale signing off, and we will talk to you soon.